Welcome back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Now, normally we'll be live at RJ's Pub, but due to travel going to Northern Kentucky and Dayton to play Wright State, we are pre-recording this right around lunchtime, which, you know, coach people were tweeting in some questions saying at lunchtime, are you going to ask about, uh, we going to talk about food or anything else like that? They said, Well, it, we can. Yeah. We can. I mean, um, I just shot a commercial for Oakland. Uh, for our next homestand where it's over Thanksgiving and we've got a special treat out there for in the arena for people Thanksgiving, something that people probably would never have thought to try. Um, I'm going to not talk about it, though. I had two of them, uh, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because I'll wait till you see that commercial because... Uh, not really a commercial, but our web page, you know, yeah. our, our video stuff. And Social I media wanna, stuff. I don't want to ruin it for John because he's so good, and it was his idea. And Steve Waterfield, our AD, and I did a little action shot for him with the whatever it is that we're featuring that we ate, and then I had to have an extra one because I'm me. Um, but we are in the Hugh and Nancy Elliott room as we record this, which is the room that our courtside people uh, that have the courtside seats and our big donors that give money to the program. And they can eat food here. Right, they get access and there's food in here. And I bring that up only because we could go over to the nacho cheese uh, machine that's there and put our mouth down and open our mouth and push that red button and it'd probably come out hot. There are some nacho chips down there. There are chips in there. So we could do that or, more importantly, right next to it is a freezer full of ice cream and it's got i don't know it's got a twix thing in it that i've never seen i love twix so i don't know maybe that you, would, you've never had the twix I've ice cream bar twix ice cream bar oh, so it i is, might want to have one it is we, next level uh, so after we finish we i like that strawberry bar thing i, I do too and you know what to be honest with you that's the most healthy option in is there. it oh it yeah. is yeah. see but i think that the thing i would probably grab if i could only have one though would be the uh, cone, the King oh, Kong cone. Yeah, there's and, no doubt. And the only reason for that is because it's the biggest thing. Yeah, absolutely. And now, if I could have more than one, then I would probably try the Twix and maybe the strawberry and maybe uh, the Dove bar. Who knows? Maybe the cookies and cream thing. Maybe one of each. You know? Maybe, maybe one, maybe one of them all. Maybe, <laughs> maybe one of them all. But uh, yeah, it is a Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group as we uh, lay down these tracks. But Coach. Uh, you know, there, there's a bunch of stuff I want to get into as we get in later into the show. Of, of, of course, the Mark D'Antonio talk is, is hot. I want to get your take uh, on some of that. We'll get into that a little bit later on the show. We have your questions with the hashtag AskCampy as well, line of those you know, uh, to get to also. I'm going to interrupt you for a second because right above the ice cream <laughs> is a picture of Kendrick Nunn. And Kendrick was named the Rookie of the Month, so he's unanimous every month this year, all four right. months. He's been the Rookie of the Month. Now, one of them was a two-month thing, so it's only been awarded three times. But all four months, Kendrick's been the Rookie of the Month in the Eastern Conference. So it's going to come down to him and Ja for Rookie of the Year. And, uh, man, I hope people go with Miami because they're winning. Well, and if you look at metrics, too, you know, and that whole sabermetrics debate, right. too. Well, Ken, Josh got there. more assists. I right. think they're, they're 
probably similar in in efficiency in all those categories. Yeah. But I do think that Kendrick shoots it a little bit better. His, his uh, three point percentage and things like that are better. Uh, but he doesn't have the amount of assists because he's playing kind of a Jimmy Butler really plays the point for him, and and he's more of a two playing you know hybrid when Butler's out of the game he's got the ball, but he doesn't. He gets three assists a game, but I think Jaws up to seven or eight. So that when the push comes to shove, the 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 name is probably going to hurt him. Uh, but the reality of it is, if Miami continues and finishes in the top two or three of the East, and the Grizzlies don't make the playoffs. I mean, who's the rookie of the year? The guy that played on the winning team, right? And, when and who close, was a pivotal piece the, right, to that, too. Right. So, um, yeah, I'm pushing for it, but I'm not sure I have a lot of pull or say. But it's great to see that picture, Kendrick. He looks better now with the short hair. I mean, I, that hair in this picture doesn't look all that good. It's <laughs> he, great he to see it up. Sharp dressing, too. Been following him on Instagram. Uh all the clothing companies have been reaching out and all that kind of stuff, too. Well, he so. always was too cool. And <laughs> I remember when he was his sit-out year, he'd show up and he'd have these jeans that matched the top, and I'd always crap on him a little bit about how he was dressed. So I'm sure he's going to live that life and enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. Down there in South Beach, man. He's uh, he's getting it in, no doubt about it. You guys got it in. Uh, in the Metro Series against Detroit, a huge, huge win. Uh, everything that came along with it. Rashad exploded. Uh, his efforts netted him the Horizon League Player of the Week honors. And, uh, Coach, that, that was much needed, wasn't it? Well, I think that's the best way to put it. We really needed that. Rashad needed it. I mean, you know, like I, we talked about after the game, the, the numbers show that that's more of who he is. I mean, he did not. He had 37 on six on 17 shots and he was eight of 17 which is not spectacular it's just good solid number he was seven of 15 from the three which a little bit more than solid but 45 46 percent he's his lifetime percentage in shooting the three before this year was you know 43 percent so this was more who he was and i think you just can't underestimate the amount of pressure that he felt that he was going to be some savior to save our season. And, and I told our team before we took the floor the first night he played that Rashad's not a savior. <laughs> Rashad's just a really good player that we're adding to our lineup, and it may take some time to fold him in. Um, and, you know, but I think that he just put a lot of pressure on himself. to. And you, you could know. see that when he played, too. I mean, you could see he, he wanted to make a five-point shot when only three were available. I mean, he, <laughs> he, he was trying really hard out there. <laughs> yeah, and, and the more he pushed, the worse it got. Right. Um, you know, he made some mistakes defensively, and he's learning. You know, you just – I've never folded a kid in in the middle of January before. Normally when you bring a kid in, it's December 10th or 14th or somewhere in there, and, you know, you're still playing some non-league games that you can fool around with. So it was a new experience for me too, and, and you know, I chose to let him play through it, and it probably could have cost us a little bit, but I think it will help us in the long run. And I think anybody that's a fan of Oakland basketball that watched the game – uh, against Detroit would say that, you know, we're a better team with him on the floor. We're a better scoring options than that. And, you know, what he did, he made a huge three uh, when they had cut the game back. And, and Lampman had the three and gave it up and threw it to Rashad, and he buried it. They had cut it to 56-52. We got we came down and X got fouled and he made one and missed one. So it was 57-52 and we got the stop. And that's, that's the biggest part of that. We got the stop, came down. Late shot clock, Rashad made a three and all of a sudden it's eight again and then we got it up to 20. So that 
big shot changed everything. And you know, in all our road games that we've played, we've we've given up the lead, a big lead, double-digit lead. In every league road game we've played, we've had a double-digit league lead. And Within seven minutes, too. Yeah, and yeah. We're, we're two and three on the road. We're two and three on the road, and we've had a double-digit lead in all five games. So, you know, that – now will help us that we've got a guy that's not afraid of the moment and can step up and been there before. You know, we've been there before, and that's that's something that you got to remember that other than X and Brad and, and uh, you know, they're the only two guys that had ever been there before. You could say Trey's been there before, but Trey really was, as we talked about earlier in the year, the fifth option. I mean, Cumberland or Norris were taking those big shots. Mm-hmm. Trey did make a huge shot against Northern Kentucky in the tournament game last year, late game when we came back from a five or six point deficit late. And uh, so, you know, and Trey's got a big shot mentality, but, you know, his numbers this year haven't been holding up to what we had hoped and he had hoped, and hopefully we can get that turned around too. No question about it. Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group, typically live at RJ's Pub, pre-recording this week. We will be back in action, though, Coach, at RJ's Pub next week. And a big thank you, too, to everybody with the Oakland University Alumni Association. The scene there last week at RJ's Pub was incredible. Yeah, it really was, and that's what this show should be about. And and we've had, we have a core group of people that come and watch every week, and it's it's heartwarming to see, and, you know, especially in a year that we're maybe not been like most of the years we've had, to see those people continue to show up and their their enthusiasm for the program and for our players and um you know it, it's just awesome to see that level of of fan base that really cares about what we do and and uh next week we'll be there and we we'll have our women's interim coach right. at the show so we'll talk a little women's basketball next week too Absolutely, and and someone else who has stepped up as of late for the Golden Grizzlies, Brad Brechting, uh, back-to-back double-doubles. And, you know, Coach, it didn't come with a lot of fanfare. It's not something I I spent a lot of time talking about, to be honest. But the fact of the matter is uh, when Brad Brechting's involved at that level, uh, this is a different basketball team. Well, Brad's had a good year. I mean, it's been lost in, in, you know, all our struggles. And he's had a senior year the way he's supposed to have a senior year. And, you know, he's he's never going to be Batman. He's just going to be a Robin, you know, and he's been a good Robin for us. You know, we need, we just need we need the Cape Crusader to, to, to show up more often and, and be that Batman. And I think with Rashad that will help us have multiple people now that can have big, big games. But, you know, in Brad's case, we want him always to be that that uh, guy that that is there – knowing that he can get a basket, knowing that we can go through him, knowing that he's going to get a huge rebound, knowing that he's going to make a big play, um, you know, from kind of obscurity. And, and that's been his role with the team, and he's had a very good year. I'm, I'm really pleased with the year Brad's had. You know, Coach, again, just, just kind of going back to it as we wrap up the discussion with that win over Detroit in the Metro Series. And it was interesting to hear – uh, Coach Davis in the press conference too. You you could tell certainly during that game as it played out, Detroit really obviously wanted to win that game. But this is something where you said in the post game that this will always be personal for you. And and I was talking with some of the the Detroit media and Dan Hasty, their radio voice. Uh, he and I are pretty good friends, and he was just kind of taken aback still how personal this is to you and, and you're very public about that you talk about that all the time uh, this, this will never be over for you will it no I mean I, I there's some history there and I've lived that history and I'm not going to let go of it uh it's probably 
petty and and childish of me, but I don't care. <laughs> well, I mean, I don't coach, care. That, that's what makes a, that's what makes a rivalry though, well, because and, it is personal. Right. And the other side of that is, is I think the rivalry is very important for both schools. Um, what I really would like to see is that Oakland and Detroit, for a five or seven year period, are number one and two in the league. And Oakland yeah. winning every single well, one of, of those. Well, of course, I want that. But <laughs> but the 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 media, the fan bit. I mean, we already sell our our game out uh, every year that we play them. Um, we sold it out this year uh, with. Well, I think we were a couple hundred short this year, but it was a Christmas break, no students. If right. You know, but I'll never forget the first time that this really became so a rivalry awesome, yeah. and we played at Callahan Hall and there were 7,000 people there and I was telling somebody before the game Friday night I sat in Callahan Hall and watched I was scouting for Oakland or for uh, Toledo as an assistant coach and I sat in Callahan Hall way up in the ceiling and there wasn't an empty seat in the place and I believe it was Memphis State Detroit and Keith Lee and Will William Benford playing for Memphis. Now, only old guys would remember those names, and only old guys would remember when Memphis was Memphis State. And right. and uh, you know Memphis State got to the national championship game. Uh, Bill Walton had twenty for twenty two from the floor against them to beat them. I mean, these are all things in my mind that I remember. And being in Callahan Hall, seeing it packed like that that night as a 23 or four or five year old you know first second year coach um it was just an awesome sight and that 7,000 we had was was pretty spectacular that day and you know I I believe that if we ever get back to where we are one and two in the league uh that that you could see that every time we play them down there you could see maybe even get it and sell it out and that would be a a goal of mine and the only way you're going to do that is is, is both teams have to be good and and that hatred's got to got to continue and as long as i'm here it will continue because like i said i lived it and i know the truth i know what happened i know the things that that i know where all the bodies are buried in this thing so (laughs) i know who's at fault and i know you know i know what mike helms did i know all the things and and uh you know, I, I'm surely not saying that Detroit's at fault for everything. We we got our hands in some of that fault. Uh, but uh, that's what caused the rivalry, and it will always be there. All right, Coach, we'll take our first break. When we come back, I, I want to get into to really what the news around the uh, the local sports scene was, and that would be Mark D'Antonio retiring from Michigan State. And it, I want to take it in a couple different directions with you, you know, as a guy that's been around for a long time and – you know how how coaching has changed in Division One athletics. So I, I got a couple things I wanted to to pick your brain on. Uh, if we have some time too, we'll get your thoughts on the Super Bowl a little bit. You get a chance to watch the Super Bowl? I did see it. Yeah, I did. I so, did get to watch the end of it. So because I have some coaching philosophy questions uh, that I want to ask you as well. Also, we have your questions on Twitter with the hashtag AskCampy. All that and more. We'll take a look ahead to the road trip this weekend. Northern Kentucky and Wright State. A busy Greg Campy show. Brought to you by the Evans Law Group. We'll be right back with more. 
Welcome back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. We'll be back at RJ's Pub next weekend in Rochester Hills. Hope to see everybody out there again for that. Certainly tremendous energy last week when we were there in the building. Big thank you again to everybody that came out. But we have we have touched on the obligatory food talk. We, we did that already to start, so the, that, that's a good thing that we knocked that out of the way. I know that's popular with a lot of you that are listening. I'm sure I'll get some tweets about it and everything like that. But, Coach, the, the big news here on the local sports landscape is something that I want to get a couple of your thoughts on it. And Mark D'Antonio, the Michigan State football head coach, uh, stepped aside uh, that really the day before the second signing day. And you know, I, I don't want to necessarily get into all that or, or what your take on it is as far as the why goes. But you know, as a as a guy that's been here at Oakland uh, for a long time, you know, 36 years in the game, the third longest tenured head coach, I was. I, I was taken aback to hear all the local media at the press conference talk about the fact that, that Mark D'Antonio looked like a, a guy that was tired. And, you know, the, the, he talked at length about the recruiting game and how that stretched out now. And, you know, basically the whole month of June is, is prime time recruiting for football coaches. And, you know, you've seen this as well. You know, you've seen the evolution of recruiting. Let everybody inside on that. What, what, what kind of grind is recruiting? Because your roster is turning over theoretically every four years. Well, mid-major basketball, your roster's going to turn over every year the way it's going. I mean, right. you know, who thought who thought we would be in the position we're in this year? And, my, you know, my guess is that we'll have a lot of turnover again this year. I mean, I, I you only, you know, I've played more guys this year than I've ever played trying to adapt to this thing. But now that we're into the grind and it's win or lose time, you're only going to see seven guys, maybe an eighth guy out there. And if, if I'm the 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th guy – uh, mom and dad are telling me to get out of there. My AU coach is telling me to get out of there. Right. All my friends are telling me to get out of there. There's people on social media saying that, that he should leave or somebody's trying to run somebody out. I mean, this thing is just spiraled out of just crazy. There's nobody anymore that, that goes in and says, you know, I, I, I'm a freshman and I'm not going to play that much, but I'm going to learn and get better, and then I'm going to play a little bit as a sophomore and then as a junior. I mean, Xavier Hill Mays hardly played as a freshman. Mm-hmm. He's first team all league last year. What would he? Where would he have done? Or what? What if he'd have left after his freshman year because he's playing behind good players? You know, uh, Javen Cumberland didn't get to play at all his first two years. Oh, he's playing behind Kay Felders in the NBA. Oh, he's playing behind Kendrick Nunn who's in the NBA. You know, <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. come on. You know what? Let's run from that because all my friends are saying, and I'm not saying Cumberland. Uh, he ran. I'm not saying that. I say he stayed. And had a great year for us. But what if he hadn't stayed? What if he had, you know, run somewhere, you know, I mean, it's changing. And people are running and, and they want to play. And, and the, the fact of the matter is it's not the kid. It's all the people around the kid that are right. telling them what to do. And they're hearing it over and over and over again. And, and that's changing the game. And it, I think it's going to frustrate a lot of coaches. Obviously, uh, Mark seems frustrated by it. But I'm going to tell you this, too. You know, I know him, and I'm not saying I know him because the reason I know him is because I had a son who ended up going to LSU to play football. And a guy by the name of Narduzzi was the defensive coordinator at the time, was now the head coach at Pitt, and he recruited my son. And... I went with him 
to opening day of spring practice for Michigan State that year, going into my son's senior year, which would have been, I can't remember, 2012 or 13. And Michigan State ended up having a great, great year that year. Um, and they let me sit in on the opening meeting. You know, they brought they brought Branch in and let him sit in as coach talked to the team and the fire and the passion and all that kind of stuff. And I'm going to sit there and tell you right today, he looked tired then. I don't think he looks any different today than he did then. I just think he's, you know, it's the it's the outside noise that has just gotten so big in this game that I think he's just decided, you know what, I don't need this crap. I don't need it. You know, I, I'm not doing it for the money. I got all the money I need. I'm not. I got. I got all the championship rings I'm ever going to need. I mean, as a coach, you're driven for rings. You're driven to win. You wouldn't be in the business if you weren't that. But at some point, you you realize you're doing this because of the kids. You know, you really do. You you realize that you're making boys turn into men, and you're you're you. After you've done it for a while and you get the reach out of people coming back, the the greatest thing that happens to me isn't that we beat Detroit. It's the players I heard from that played for me years ago after we beat Detroit that reached out to send a quick note, you know, way to go, it's great win, we don't lose to them. We, You know, all the different texts and, and emails and notes that come, and, and, and that's the great part of coaching. You know, we're driven to win because it's who we are. You wouldn't be in the business. But it's it, after a certain point, it's the people. And I think that my guess is, and I, I don't know if I'm right or not because I haven't talked to him. I mean, I, I met him through the recruiting process, and I've never talked to him since. But my guess is in watching him is that he's just tired of all the outside noise. And I listened to some of those questions that were asked to him and the national media, you know, they're all plotting some guy from ESPN who asked about, you know the the uh, case that's going on and that and and you know and then somebody who's a national media person that I respect said that question had to be asked. No, it didn't have to be asked. This guy's retiring. This is his moment to say goodbye. You want to ask him? Get a get a meeting with him afterwards. Set up an interview with him afterwards and ask him that crap. I, I thought Mark handled it great. I wouldn't handle it as good as he would. I would have told him what to do. You know me. I would have just come right. right out and told, hey, you know, you can go. Um, because that's who I am, and, uh -huh. and he's like that too, except that he had a lot more class than I would have had in that situation. He just he let it go. You know, and they're asking him, uh, a guy who I respect and is a friend of mine, ask him, do you think you're leaving this better than when you came? He's the winningest coach in school history. He won a Rose Bowl. He got to the – he got only 12 teams, yeah. I think it is. There are only 12 teams in this country that have gotten to the Final Four over the years that that's been in. And Michigan State's one of them. And when he got the Michigan State job. That seemed so far out of reach. I mean, when he. It wasn't he, even on the radar. No, it wasn't even on the radar. It was, yeah. can we please beat Michigan once? Yeah. When they beat him nine out of ten times or something like that. Yeah. And so to ask a guy. Did you leave it better than you than when it came? I almost vomited in my throat when I heard that thing. Why would we? What have we gotten to in this world that we're going to ask a question like that to a guy who's saying goodbye? And if you secretly didn't like him and wanted him to leave, you should be happy he's leaving. And if you're sad that he's leaving, you should let him have his moment. And to sit there and say, did you let, leave this better than 
I, I mean, his answer was, I think that's pretty self-evident. I, I think it's, it's damn self-evident. Right. One of 12 teams in the country. Michigan, my, my at Michigan State too. My my father, in fact, uh, the touchdown that Kansas City scored, where they spun around in the backfield and did a direct snap to their offensive coordinator, stole that from the 1948 Michigan national championship team, 47 national championship. The Rose Bowl was January one and 48, and they showed the they, a tweet showed the play. My dad was in there. My dad was in that play. I sent it to my sisters and my brothers. And I mean, I'm a, you know, my dad played football in Michigan, won a national championship. My brother played football in Michigan, was there for five years, played on all those great teams that never got to go to the Orange Bowl, the Lantry missed field goals, all that kind of stuff. My brother was part of that Bo Schembechler, you know, this legend of football. Michigan hadn't been to the. They haven't been to the have, Final Four. And, ha- and haven't been really no, that they, close to it. I mean, they're the winningest program in the history of football. Mm-hmm. They have more wins. Them and Notre Dame have the most wins. And Michigan's not been there. And you're going to ask a guy who took Michigan State there, did you leave this place better? I mean, this is our issue. This is our problem. And then everybody is saying those questions should be asked. That's what's changed. So you wonder why kids transfer. You wonder, you know. I mean, you you've got me on a rant now, but uh, I'm sorry. I, no, that's I, what that's what that's what the people that's what the people tune in for. Right, but the, I mean, come on, man. Give the guy his due. The guy who was the greatest football coach in Michigan State history, and they've had some great ones. Biggie Munn, George, George Perlett. They've had some guys do some some great things. And that guy's the winningest coach <clears throat> in the history of Michigan State football. People should be crying that he's leaving. And you got, I mean, you got people out there that are always going to dislike or want something different, and then that's life. We understand that. People understand that. But to to grill him the way that the media wants to grill him, I, I, it just blows my mind. Coach, what about just from the standpoint of, and again, going back to your long career, you know, thir- again, thirty six years here. When does when does that start to enter your mind, where? You know, and you mentioned the fact too. When I saw D'Antonio back in 2013, he looked tired then, and again, that was the prevailing message that you heard from the media people. How, how does that process manifest itself? Is that something that that you had thought, if you have ever thought about, like in passing or anything like that? I mean, when, when does that enter your head? Neil, I'm tired every day. I mean, you you look at my job, and when we start, and this year we started early because of Greece, but when we start in September, I work every day. Every Saturday, every Sunday, Christmas Eve day, Christmas day, we had practice. New Year's Eve day, New Year's day. And you're and you're a and, film rat too. And, I mean, and, yeah. But but that's my job. Right. And I'm going to get tired. Everybody's going to get tired. I don't I don't care if you're 32 or you're 72. <laughs> right. You're going to get tired. It's a grind. It's the job, but it's my job. You know, Guys work in the steel mills. Guys work. You know what I did? My father, when I graduated from high school, my father was the personnel director of the largest foundry in the world at that time, Central Foundry Division of General Motors, which was located in Defiance, Ohio. And my dad was the director of personnel at the place. And you know what I did the summer after I graduated from college? I worked there. And I did it because... It was good money. 
it was 20 back in, you think about 1978, $20 an hour, you know? Good, man. Yeah. I'd yeah. probably still be there. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, because Joe Average wouldn't last two weeks in there. Mm-hmm. So my first job was to pick up, and I don't know if it's still like this today, but you you it, you poured iron into a core which created your engine. They built the engine. You know, they manufactured the engine. It's a foundry. And so for eight hours, I stood at, at a line with, a, with a, you know, the line moving, and, and pallets were delivered to me and 50-pound engine blocks made of sawdust or sand, not sawdust, sand. I picked those up and put them on the, on the uh, line. And you can't miss one. You know, you can't, the oh, fall rolling. behind. Yeah, the, the line's, line's rolling. rolling. Yeah. And so you do that for 50 minutes, and then you get 10 minutes off, and then you come back for eight hours. And I did that every day for two weeks. And then he came, and he moved me. It's the most bored I was ever in my life. I sang every song I'd ever heard or knew in my mind. I would stare at the clock hoping that that 50 minutes were over for eight hours a day. And then, and then I would move on to the next. He would change my job, and I would move on to everything. I did that for three months. And until they, one of the uh, foremen had a guy go down in shakeout. And shakeout is the absolute worst job there is in the history of the world, okay? Because in shakeout, you get yourself all padded up, and, and what you do is you, the iron gets poured into the engine block, the sand. And then someone hooks the, the engine, and it goes up in the air, and shakeout is you have like a hoe-type thing. And you knock the sand off now that the that the and you're talking about melted steel right that is now hardening and you're knocking that off and sparks are flying and it's 400 degrees the job's so hard that you only do it that you only did it for 30 minutes not 50 you did it for 30 and then you got 20 off that's how hard the job was and a foreman came and they had guy not show up and he goes Campy you're on this today and I had to do that. And uh, there's nothing as easy as being a basketball coach, okay? Once you've done something like that, there's nothing as easy as being a basketball coach. So no matter how tired I am, no matter how many Christmas days I work, no matter how many New Year's Eves I work, I don't care because I never want to go back and do that shakeout again. And the shakeout was uh, another tidbit to that story is my dad came walking through the plant for some reason and he didn't know I was there and he saw me standing up because the shakeout's way up in the sky and he saw me up there I never saw that foreman again oh yeah yeah I don't think (laughs) I don't think they were supposed to put a 22 year old kid on shakeout yeah but this guy did it and uh, I'm glad I did it because I I spent one day on shakeout and it told me I never uh, it changed my life yeah so when some people look at me on the floor and and understand why I'm old school and hard and all that kind of stuff. It's probably because of my background. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Coach. I mean, that's we all, we've all got our shakeout stories. You know, be it a, a right. dish room at a restaurant or delivering pizzas or whatever. We've all we've all got our shakeout story. There's so, no doubt about it. So getting back to your, I mean, that's me going off on a rant again. But 
so we're all tired. Mark Mark was tired 15 years ago. He he, I think he just had enough. He had enough of the outside noise, and I think in the long run, successful coaches. I think that's what gets them. I think the Jim Calhoun had at UConn had enough of the outside noise. Now he's coaching a Division three school and having the time of his life, winning games, and got nobody in the outside. No outside noise there. You know, you're always going to have the parents and things like that, but uh, the outside noise is, is what's killing coaches. And and you know what? Tom Izzo last night went, went on a rant about the outside noise, but he made a really good statement. He said, look, I'm getting paid a lot of money. You want to go after somebody you're unhappy as a Michigan State fan, you come after me. You don't go after those players. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a, you know, I think he's going to get criticized because anytime you speak out, you get criticized. But I don't think you can really criticize him because he's saying, come after me, you know. Um, and, and I think any coach feels that way, you know. Again, I go back to this, you know, uh, I, I had some people come after me. I got an email about why are you throwing your kids under the bus or something like that after one. I can't remember exactly what it said, but why did you throw your team under the bus? I, I <clears throat> I don't think I've ever thrown my team under the bus in my life. As I said before, I'm not in the business to assign blame. Assigning blame does no good. I'm a truth teller. And you tell the truth, and you learn from it, and you get better. And so the outside noise wants to say, I threw the team. No, I didn't. I told the truth. This is what happened. And this is why it happened. Ultimately, who's the blame? The guy in charge. But you, but you, to be fair, you do say that to me. When, when we do our post games, you do say that all the time, but people do hear what they want to hear sometimes. It is the truth. Right. The bottom line is always the guy in charge. No matter what the business is, it can be, you know, selling candy. It could be in the hot dog business. Whatever business it is, the guy in charge, he'll, he either get, he reaps the benefits and gets the bonus money or he gets fired. And that's the truth here, too. It's the truth for Tom Izzo. It's the truth for anybody else. It's the truth. We reap the benefits of being in charge, and and, and you also are the guy that gets fired. And I don't know a coach that throws his team under the bus. I just don't know that. I don't see that. It's probably happened. But the bottom line is every coach knows who's responsible. But what we believe, or what I believe, and I think I, I could get line up a lot of great coaches next to me that would say the same thing, is that you tell the truth. Because you can't improve and you can't get better and you can't learn if you don't know what the truth is. And as a, as a coach, me personally, when I speak publicly, I'm going to tell the truth. I'm not going to, fans know when you're, you're, you know, bull, whatever the right word is, them. They, I think, and I know Oakland fans want the truth, so I tell the truth. The bottom line is, we had uh, the Youngstown State game, we had 120 seconds to figure out what to do with six seconds. We had two timeouts. We had 120 seconds. And if you were a mouse in the huddle and had heard what we said and then watched what happened, you, you, would, you would be shocked because nothing that was said in that huddle ended up happening on the floor. But I go back to whose fault is that? That's mine. Because obviously the message didn't get across. And if the message doesn't get across, you can blame whoever you want. Bottom line is the result. And that's why we are not in the 
the blame uh, profession. We're not here to blame. We're not here to assign blame. We are here to find out what happened, what the truth is, and let's fix it so that the next time it happens, we can be successful. Man, it sounded like I was uh, thinking about my 12 and 10 year old sons right there, coach. Because there's a lot, there's a lot of parallels uh, right there to that. Well, coach, speaking of the outside well, noise, I, I just, you know, you got me in this going on D'Antonio yeah. on the outside noise, and there's outside, you know, I mean. Uh, <laughs> When you write me an email and tell me or you send me a tweet or something like that and tell me, you know, I'm throwing the kids under the bus, you know, I disagree with that. I mean, I, I'm just, I just do. And, and I could sit there and just say fine or I can explain it. And you know what? If you just heard what I said and you, you're the guy that wrote me the email, uh, you don't have to believe me. You can believe however you want to believe. Well, Coach, speaking outside noise, when we come back, how about we go to Twitter? Huh? That's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm That's, sure Tom's there today looking yeah, at yeah. it. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll see if Tom had chimed in with the hashtag AskCampy, which you can at any time. We'll take a break. We'll come back. Your questions on Twitter. You're listening to The Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. Welcome back to the Greg Campy Show, brought to you by the Evans Law Group. We'll be back at RJ's Pub next weekend. Certainly glad to have you along on Detroit's 1130 AMW DFN, The Fan, and also worldwide on the iHeartRadio app, your home for Golden Grizzlies basketball. And, you know, Coach, we were just talking about the outside noise, so we're going to go to the Ask Campy Twitter string. Uh, that's uh, typically what we do here. And uh, Coach Oakland U fan uh, tweeted out a video of official Mike Nance when he, he – Rick Barnes, you know, and him kind of made some contact there, I guess. And, and a lot of the people, the discussion was that the official made contact with Rick Barnes, and an Oakland U fan wanted to know, have you, have you ever had that situation where an official's made contact with you? No. I mean, we've had a lot of verbal contact. <laughs> 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 but not physical contact. And Now, no, that's not true. I've, I sway out of that coaching box now and then. I get a little too far out on the floor, and I've bumped into officials, but never in a – in after something had happened where in a malicious it, type it, fashion and it could be construed as you know whatever their people were trying to make out of that most likely they didn't know they were in each other's way i watched it it was hard for me to tell i know rick did i know rick really well he he, he comes to my cancer event he's 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 of the 20 if i had to name the 20 closest coaches that i'm close to in this business he's one of those 20 um you know, I text him, talk to him all the time. You know, he. there's not a malicious thing in Rick's body, but in the heat of a moment like that, we all tense up, and we aren't sure. sure the official did too, and it was just one of those unfortunate things. Fortunately, nothing really came of it. And But, no, that's I've never been in that situation, and I hope I never am because you don't survive those situations. You know, there's no good – in this, you know, in the old days, man, you could do that stuff. But today, you everything's can't, everything's you know, on man. camera everywhere. Right. Yeah, well, and, everyone's going to see it. And yeah. back in the day, when you grabbed a kid, that was good for the kid. That was good for the kid. It, it, we're going to get off on another tangent here, but you know, I go back to Izzo yelling at Henry in the in the NSA tournament last year, and I was watching that, and then I saw all the announcers, you know, the 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 great ex players that do the announcing you know the color studio com, guys the studio and guys stuff, and yeah. that they're all these ex-players and they all started in i would never accept that i would never well no one would have done that to you because you're really good and you wouldn't have done those things you know i, I believe it was wayne right. fonts that said it best when they were talking about barry sanders being <laughs> yeah. held out i treat everybody the same differently right 
<laughs> no, nobody, hey, Alfonso, nobody's going to grab you because you're first team All-American. You're this, you're, you know. But I guarantee you, Alfonso, that guy that was screwing this up for you to win and keep you out of the NCAA tournament, you would have wanted that coach to, to scream and yell at. And you probably would have been screaming and yelling at him too, especially when you played because it was acceptable back then. So it's not today, and so you adapt or die, and and coaches are have adapted for the most part. Screaming is screaming and yelling, you know, is okay still, but you can't put your hands on a kid. You can't, you know. I'm even careful about putting my arm around a kid. You know, I, I'm afraid if I put my arm around him, somebody's going to conscrew that into, you know, he's choking him. Right. You know, I mean, I just put my arm around, bring him in tight, and you know, maybe squeeze his arm a little bit and say, come on, son, let's go. You've yeah. worked so hard for this moment. Don't be scared of it. You know, the things that you want to do to motivate kids you can't do. And so I'm, I hope there's never contact with an official, nor will I try and in, even go into one. I, you know, one of the things I do and I don't realize I'm doing is I point my finger a lot. And, you know, I point it at a kid, I point it at an official, and a lot of times – when officials come over, especially the ones I've known for years, I'll start on and they'll go, Greg, put your hands down. Put your hands down. You know, they're whispering, put your hands down. Don't do that to me. Put yeah. your hands down. And I don't even know my hands are up. You know, yeah. I mean, it's just uh, so you really got to be conscious of it. Uh, Matt, formerly Grizz Talk OU, tweets at us and says, Coach, is Trey Maddox cleared? What play was it where, where he got hurt against Detroit? And he said a follow-up, can we get him a boxing helmet like the uh, guy from IPFW a couple years ago? I believe that was Peckinpah. Peckinpah, uh, what was yeah. his name. You right. know, Peckinpah's an, a coach now. He, uh, the last I saw him, he was an assistant coach maybe at Ball State or someplace. Like, no, no, the point guard was at Ball State. Uh, what was his name? We recruited him. And lost in Knuth maybe or something like that. But Peck and Paul, maybe a head coach at an NAI school in Indiana. He's doing a really good job. I heard he's he's doing a really good job. Um, Trey uh, ran into a screen um, on with about a minute to go in the first half. I didn't even know it had happened. Uh, he ran into a screen. Big Miller got him shoulder to shoulder, and it. We couldn't tell his head was jerked a little bit or anything, and and he said he had a headache, and they put him in concussion protocol, and he, there was a a test that he didn't do well on, and so we kept him out. And again, as we're talking about this day and age, you know, ten years ago he had played, mm-hmm. you know, but in this day and age, that you think he's not gonna play, and we accept. I mean, I said to Chris, uh, "Is he in or out?" And Chris said he's out, and we moved on. You know, it's just it is what it is. Ten years ago, I go, "Come on, Chris." He just got bumped. He's fine. Right. He's, you know, he'll he'll shake that <clears> off. But you can't do that anymore. And and the kids, uh, you know, the, with all the things that are going around with head injuries and, you know, all the stuff that's talked about, you, we're all on. Everybody's on board with that. I don't see anybody now that would have said Trey go back in or want Trey to go back in. We all listened to our trainer. We had a team doctor there. They both agreed that he needed to sit out the second half. And so the next man up and we go play. And he uh, he was back in practice on Tuesday. Chris Kern, that's another high-level guy uh, that you talk about formerly with the Detroit Lions. We were talking right. about John earlier. You know, we got definitely some talented staff here with Oakland basketball. Speaking of talent, we have a new contributor to the Ask Campy Twitter hashtag. Uh, some guy at 2K0. You may, you may know who he is. He says, Coach, can Kay Felder come back for his last year and tell him I'll see him on February 13th as Kay will be back in the arena? February Is that the Thursday night game? I believe so, yep. Yeah, okay. <laughs> 
What could have been, man? What a team we would have had if he'd have stayed. I mean, we still had a great team. We won the championship and everything. Right. But, oh, if he'd have stayed for that fourth, his last year. The thing that bothers me the most about that is that if he has stayed, he would be the all-time leader in the history of college basketball in assists. He, he is. He's the leader in Horizon League. He's the, you know. Three but, years, too. In three yeah. years. But he would have, he would, he would have needed, I think, 280 assists. And he was getting 300-some a year. He would have gotten 280 some assist he would have passed Bobby Hurley that guy that played at Duke yeah that would have been uh, the second all-time Duke record that yeah, Golden w- Grizzlies would step in and take. Bader would have taken uh what's his names and J.J. Redick yeah and and Kay would have taken the uh Bobby Hurley's record and it would have been a big victory for America well yeah. <laughs> that and Kay would have got to go around the rest of his life and say I was the all-time leader in the history of college basketball I think you could have gotten a lot of places with that um but, you know, he's got playing the NBA, the 52nd pick in the draft, he, and he represented Oakland, and he's he's doing great playing in China, but he had to come home, I understand, because of the, what's going on in China. Right. And so he'll be home for that, and I can't wait to see him. Yeah, absolutely. He will be in the building. We'll uh, work to get him on the broadcast that day, so make sure you tune in to that. But, uh, Coach, one thing I did want to pick your brain on, too, and this was something I thought about as I was, as I was watching the Super Bowl. When you look at – what happened and Kansas City of course with that incredible comeback over San Francisco but and I did think of you right away when all this was going on if if you look at San Francisco and what their identity was all season long certainly into the playoffs and and they won in the NFC championship Garoppolo had thrown eight passes in that game and and they were just they were chewing things up in the running game and it was late in that game uh, San Francisco had the ball second and five or second and four uh, as as the clock was kind of running down. They threw a couple of passes. And you've, you've been a guy, you're big on identity. You do what you do. There, there's not a secret <laughs> to what you do. I've been around this program 10 years. Uh, you know, you're not really coming out of left field all that often with what you do, especially in big moments of games. When you see that happen, when you when you see a team on a huge stage like that, when they kind of change up, what they do when it doesn't work. What goes through your mind? What I was thinking in that game is, you know, this is a perfect example of the defensive-offensive, you know, fight that people have and that, you know, defense wins championships, offense wins games, offense brings the crowd, you know, that type of thing. Kansas City, when they played the Lions early in the year, you know, the whole thing was Kansas City couldn't stop the run. You know, their defense isn't good enough to win a Super Bowl. They can't stop the run. Um, and lo and behold, a team that can't play defense and can't stop the run is in the Super Bowl and now Super Bowl champions. And I think when you're dynamic in an area, you're going to win, whether it's defense, whether it's offense. If you're the best in that, you're going to win. And in that game, the best defense played the best offense, and for three quarters, the best defense was I mean Kansas City had ten points going in the fourth right. quarter, and I don't think in the Mahomes era they've ever scored under twenty four maybe maybe some crazy number yeah yeah and so you're sitting there thinking wow defense is gonna is gonna do that and then bam 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 it's thirty one you know just like that I mean when you're elite at something you're gonna win and they're an elite at offense. And San Francisco's elite at defense, and, and that's why both those teams were there, because they were elite at something. Um, and I think as a coach, you have to understand that. You have to know what you're good at coaching. You have to coach it. 
and if you're elite at it, you're going to win games. And and uh, as far as the changing what you do, I think that can be a big mistake by any coach. Uh, but I'm not going to criticize because I wasn't in the locker room. I wasn't on the headsets. I don't right. know what they right. saw. I didn't know what they thought. I don't know if they had this special play. They had, you know, waited for that s- situation, you know, this this thing. And that's what coaches do. You you watch all that film and you you look at situations and you you know all the metrics of situations and what this team's going to do and what their tendencies are and then you hold on to stuff that you're going to use at a certain time and sometimes it works and times it doesn't work and this time if that's what they did it didn't work and but that didn't mean it wasn't right you know coach because I go back to it too you look at the the play you ran against Youngstown State that you ran before against Oral Roberts that that comes of film study by you. That that comes of knowing how they defend certain situations. It's not like you say, "Hey, let's try this," and hopefully it works. I mean, right. this is it's an educated guess that you make at these things. Well, all that stuff is it's all metric driven, and in how much film you've watched, and how what you know, and why you do it, and you know it's it, you know the, the the again I go back to the the average eye that looks at a game a football game, the Super Bowl, or a basketball game. And a lot of these, a lot of fans aren't average. A lot of fans are passionate, and they watch. They watch replays. And, and coaching basketball or football is not rocket science. It's not. I mean, there, there are only a few ways to do things. If you are a fan that cares and you watch a lot, you, you, your ideas are probably pretty good ideas, and you probably have an understanding of what's going on. But the true bottom line is we as, when, as fans or when we watch things, we get skewed by the numbers. And, and, you know, like I've heard a lot of times, you know, people say when, when, when things don't go well, people are going to say, well, why did you go away from throwing X the ball? Well, here's why. Because we threw it to him 14 times in the first half, and he scored 12, and their coach went in, and he made adjustment, and he put two guys on X, and he can't get him the ball. Right. Sometimes you know, things get taken away from you. Well, yeah. people, the game adjusts and move on, and, and you have to adjust on the fly, and you have to know, and that's why, that's why successful coaches in this business watch a lot of tape, watch a lot of film, because I have an idea of what, the coach opposite me is going to do and a lot of the stuff we do early in the game is to find out how they garden us today all right so we're playing northern kentucky it's a little different with them because they play this this matchup zone but how are they going to guard x how are they going to guard brad where's the double coming from so you early in the game you want to run some stuff so that you can learn all that so when you get into winning time you know what's going to work for you and what's not now is it going to work we still got to make the shot. But my job is to give us the best chance to win. So you have to do things. And things change during games because other guys are good coaches. Other guys have good personnel, and they'll take things away from you, as your fan base would expect you to do if, if Loughton loves killing us on the block. Uh, well, I'll give perfect examples of the Detroit game. Late in that game, Miller started killing us. And everybody's going, why aren't you changing anything? Well, because Miller scoring some twos is way better. You know, if they score three times when we're up ten points, if they score three twos, that's six points. If they score three threes, that's nine points. That's a big difference. 
And so you decide and you do things situationally, you know, the down and distance thing we always talk about. So, again, I'm getting into a long answer on something, but that's just the, the situation of it, and you just don't know what was going through. You weren't on the headsets and you weren't there. You don't know why San Francisco did what they did. People are going to be mad about it, though, because they lost. And their coach could have done everything perfect. John Wooden himself couldn't have done anything different than he did. And if you lost, you're a dummy. And if you won, you're who you are. You you're know? the hero. So, yeah, so it's just it's the business. And this all circles back to D'Antonio and, and, you know, having enough. Final four minutes or so of the show here, Coach. Northern Kentucky, Wright State. Uh, we know the story that Northern Kentucky game here at the arena was a 50-50 game with about five or six minutes left. Uh, the game against Wright State uh, was not a 50-50 game. It was 1918. It, it was 1918. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it it was it was 1918. 1918, and then it ended up 96 to 69, I think. Yeah. So uh, so what's 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 the replay like here, Coach? Well, we're playing two teams that beat us double digits at home. A month later. And let's find out what we've done. Let's see how much better we've gotten. Is is that the, is that the measuring stick? Uh, when, when when those games are over, is that the first thing that you that you'll look at? I mean, other than the scoreboard, obviously. Well, you, you, we're not going to win the league championship. It's it's a outside hope that we can get home games in the tournament, and that's what we're playing for. And we go into the lion's mouth. We play the best two teams in the league on the road, coming off a good win, one that we can gain momentum from and go forward. And now we got to turn right around and go into those two teams. And it's just been the way the year's gone. There's always something out there, you know. We it's just we haven't been able. We haven't won two games in a row since the first three games. You know, we won, we lost, we won, we won. We were three and one, and we haven't won two in a row since. And it's just been one thing after another. And we just got to shake all that off. We got to understand that February's here. February's the time to shine. February's the time to show that you've gotten better, that you understand the offense, that you know what we're supposed to do on defense, that you get your assignments, and you've improved and made yourself the best player you can be, and we make the team the best team we can be. And now we get to showcase that and find out if we did it or not. If we lose, we strap it back up the next game because – we're just now working towards March. And that is the story. And as always, the home for your Golden Grizzlies basketball on the radio side will be right here on Detroit's 1130 AM, WDFN, The Fan, and the iHeartRadio app. We'll have both of those. We'll be back at RJ's Pub next week as well. Hope to see everybody back out there. This has been the Greg Campy Show brought to you by the Evans Law Group. We'll see you all next week, everybody. Well, see you later.